This is Dr. Luis Rios Jr. recording a podcast on an article that will appear in the Aesthetic Surgery Journal titled Safety of a Protective Funnel and Primary Breast Augmentation, a Retrospective Analysis of 380 Multicenter Cases in the United States. There are multiple authors for this paper. The corresponding author is Aldo Lombardo, and contributing authors are Alfred Antoinetti, Joel Student, Frank Style, Dudley Giles, Jeff, Jeffrey Healy, Roy Kim, Clark Sherrill, Varun Gupta, and Luis Rios. Abstract. Background. Protective funnel devices are commonly used to deliver implants and primary breast augmentation, yet there is a paucity of evidence-based data describing their safety in the literature. The purpose of this objectives. The purpose of the study was to assess the safety of protective funnels and primary breast augmentation within the first 30 days postoperatively. Methods. This multi-center level three study retrospectively reviewed the surgical records of 380 consecutive patients, which was 760 breasts, who underwent primary breast augmentations by nine board certified surgeon, plastic surgeons using the implant funnel which is from Proximate Concepts LLC in Allendale, New Jersey, for implant delivery between November 2019 and December 2020. Data were collected pertaining to demographics, implant information, surgery details, and postoperative complications. Results. The mean patient age was 33 years, and 76% of patients had a BMI of less than 25 Of this cohort, 11.4% were smokers, 0.8% had diabetes, and 83% were ASA class 1. All patients received smooth implants with a medium volume of 375 cc's. A total of 8, which is 2.1%, complications were reported, including 3 hematomas with a rate of 0.79%, 1 seroma with a rate of 0.26%, and 1 superficial infection. 0.26%. No patient required explantation. We identified ASA class, BMI, surgery duration, and implant size as potential risk factors. Conclusions. The data suggests that the use of protective funnels, such as implant funnel and primary breast augmentation, is a safe option when these are utilized according to the manufacturer's instruction for use. The use of this device led to a low infection rate of 0.26%, and a complication rate of 2.1%, consistent with the average reported in the literature, which is 2 to 2.5% in our first reference. Implications for clinical practice are encouraging, and future research will include a prospective analysis with a larger case series and a potential control group. This was a level of evidence number three, which is therapeutic. The corresponding author is Dr. Aldo Lombardo, and he's at 851 West Indian Town Road, Jupiter, Florida, 33458. His email is lombardoplasticsurgeon at gmail.com. Introduction to the paper. Breast augmentation consistently ranks among the most performed aesthetic procedures in the United States. According to the Aesthetic Society, 280,692 breast augmentation procedures were performed in 2019 
by a total of 87.3% of plastic surgeons certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. However, there is a paucity of data in the plastic surgery literature describing the use of funnels to deliver implants and primary breast augmentation. The use of implants is considered safe, but can lead to both to local complications, including hematomas and infections, and to global complications, which include capsular contracture. To the best of our knowledge, no previous studies have described the safety of the implant funnel during primary breast augmentations or its potential effect on infection and complication rates. The implant funnel is a U.S. Food and Drug Administration FDA Class 1 closed system device composed of a protective vinyl chloride sleeve with a lubricious inner coating and proprietary glide track that, according to the manufacturer's website, reduces friction upon insertion and prevents rotation and loss of implants. The sterile, transparent, cone-shaped sleeve promotes a minimal touch technique that minimizes potential complications through its glide track that facilitates the delivery of implants through a shell tissue interface. The authors believe that protective funnels provide benefit to plastic surgeons and hypothesize that use of the implant funnel according to the manufacturer's instructions for use is a safe, minimal touch option in the operating room. The authors retrospectively reviewed surgical records from nine participating centers where female patients underwent primary breast augmentation and the implants were delivered with this new funnel. The authors gathered data to ascertain whether use of this particular funnel resulted in any short-term complications within the first 30 days postoperatively and the effect, if any, on infection and complication rates. Data from the surgeons participating in the study showed a 0.26% incidence of infections in 380 primary breast augmentations, which historically ranged from 2% to 2.5% as reported in the literature. CR references 1, 5, through 9. This historic average infection rate has not increased significantly in the past 15 years and is generally considered within a normal range for this procedure. Some plastic surgeons have adopted protective funnels as a viable option, see references 10 and 11, or have used alternatives in countries where a specific product is unavailable, see reference 12. Hidalgo and Sino reported that some plastic surgeons may be slow to adopt new technologies, reference 13, but emerging options such as the implant funnel, which has been available since 2017, offer surgeons new alternatives. Although infections in primary breast augmentation are not experienced by the vast majority of patients who undergo the procedure, Vin et al. reported that this type of complication is generally caused by bacterial skin flora, such as Staphylococcus aureus and coagulase-negative Staphylococci, see reference 14. Flugstad et al. reported on the relation between the use of a funnel and its effect on contamination, capsular contracture, and shielding of the implant from skin contact in preliminary report published in 2016, see reference 15. They found that the use of a funnel decreased the incidence of reoperations performed due to capsular contraction within 12 months of primary breast augmentation by more than 50%, see references 14 through 16. Flugstad et al. did not address the issue of infection and complications rates when protective funnels are used, as we do here which makes our study novel in the plastic surgery literature an important follow-up to that article. In fact, Flugstead et al. said, quote, further study would ideally include the funnel's impact on other breast augmentation-related complications, such as infection, hematoma, and seroma, end of quotes. See reference 15. 
Five years have elapsed since Flugstad et al. called for a study to be performed. Although a study by Castello et al. reported that the use of a funnel in a cohort of 73 patients who underwent primary and revision breast augmentation resulted in no complications, see reference 17, our study offers new evidence based on a larger cohort of 380 patients, which we hope will precipitate further discussion about and evaluation of protective funnels among plastic surgeons. Methods, the study population. In this retrospective observational study, we reviewed surgical records for a total of 380 consecutive patients, which was a total of 760 breasts, who underwent primary breast augmentation in which the implant funnel was used for implant delivery between November 2019 and December 2020. Procedures were performed at office-based surgical suites for 60% of cases and ambulatory surgery centers for 40% of cases. Nine board-certified plastic surgeons in the United States performed the procedures on patients ranging from 18 to 67 years old. The mean age of patients was 32.9 years. All authors attested to the consecutive nature of their patients and that the procedures had been performed according to the manufacturer's IFU period. All breast augmentation procedures were completed before the authors were invited to participate in the study. The manufacturer did not provide free funnels to the participants since the procedures were completed prior to the study design and author selection process. They did not compensate the authors financially with payment or honoraria, and they were not involved in the study design, writing, statistical analysis, or the handling of the manuscript submission. Figure 1 shows an implant funnel, an FDA Class 1 closed system device composed of a polyvinyl chloride sleeve with a lubricious inner coating and glide track that reduces friction upon insertion and prevents rotation and loss of implants, photographed courtesy of the implant company. Figure 2 shows a technique for loading a breast implant into the implant funnel. And figure three shows uh, once an implant is loaded into the funnel, the surgeon moves it to the crowning position prior to delivery into a breast pocket. Retrospective study criteria. The study design was completed before the research commenced, before author recruitment, and prior to chart review to avoid potential selection bias. Per the Aesthetic Surgery Journal's published policy, it was not necessary to obtain approval from an institutional review board because the study was retrospective rather than experimental. The study was conducted in accordance with the World Medical Association Declaration of Helsinki's Statement of Ethical Principles for Medical Research Involving Human Patients. All patients were preoperatively informed about all surgical procedures, including video recording and photography, and provided written informed consent. Author participation in the study was voluntary and intended to provide a new contribution to the plastic surgery literature about protective funnels. Instructions for use. All authors attested to the consecutive nature of their patients and the, and the procedures have been performed according to the manufacturer's IFU, which is a critical detail because it is anecdotally understood that funnels are not always used properly. For example, some plastic surgeons may cut the funnel tip unnecessarily, fail to shake and bake, in quotation marks, to distribute the preloaded antibiotic solution because of experience with other funnel instructions or reuse the funnels among patients, which is never recommended for safety reasons. See reference 18. The manufacturer's intended use is shown in supplemental figure one for readers who may wish to replicate the procedure contained in the study. Patient data were, uh, patient data were only included in the study if the surgeon performed the procedure under 
intended use, the IFU. No patients were excluded on this basis. Figures one to three show the implant funnel, implant insertion, and crowning prior to delivery, respectively. We have included the survey instrument as an appendix. Inclusion criteria. Conditions for participation in this retrospective review included consecutive patients receiving only a primary breast augmentation procedure in which the implant funnel was used for implant delivery. All surgeons attested to the consecutive nature of their patients and use of the funnel according to the manufacturer's IFU. All statistical analysis reported on the patients who met the study's inclusion criteria and were within the study date range. Exclusion criteria. Patients outside the study date range of November 1st, 2019 and December 31st, 2020 were excluded. Patients who had procedures other than primary breast augmentations were excluded. Statistical analysis. A de-identified database was obtained from nine U.S.-based board-certified plastic surgeons from their respective surgery centers. The data set contained entries for each unique patient, all of whom underwent a single procedure for primary breast augmentation. No patients underwent revisionary or combined procedures in the study. The Kolomogorov-Smirnov statistic was used to check normal distribution of continuous variables. Patient characteristics and risk factors for postoperative complications were compared by a two-tailed T-test, Fisher's exact test, or by Pearson chi-square test. Outcomes were reported as 30-day incidence rates after the surgery, unless otherwise noted, probability of type 1 error of less than 5%, P less than 0.05, was used to determine statistical significance. All analysis were performed with IBM SPSS Statistics 23.0 software from the IBM Corporation. Results. Demographic variables. Nine board-certified plastic surgeons provided data on 380 consecutive breast augmentation cases performed with the implant funnel between November 2019 and December 2020. The mean age was 33 years. Range was 18 to 67 years. A total of 99.2% patients were biological females and 0.8% were transgender. All patients were in good health with ASA class 1, 82.9%, or class 2, 17.1%. The inframammary approach was used in 78% of cases, and the implant was placed in the subpectoral plane in 99% of cases. All patients received smooth implants with a medium volume of 375 cc's. A total of 98% of surgeries were completed within 90 minutes. A total of eight complications were reported during the 30-day postoperative period, including three hematomas, 0.79% 0.79% incidence, one seroma, 0.26%, and one superficial infection, 0.26%. Superficial infection was defined as cellulitis or subcutaneous abscess. No patient required explantation. We identified ASA class BMI, surgery duration, and implant size as potential risk factors for complications. A total of 86% of patients never smoked, 2.6% are former smokers, and 11. 4% are current smokers. Diabetes was reported in 0.8% of patients. The reported BMI was less than 25 in 76% of patients, 25 to 29.9 in 20% of patients, and greater than 30 in 4% of patients. All patients received general anesthesia. The average surgery time from incision to dressing was less than 60 minutes in 41.3% of cases, 61 to 90 minutes in 56.6% of cases, and greater than 90 minutes in 2.1% of cases. Among the patients, 
12.2% underwent inframammary incision, 14.2% underwent periareolar incision, and 7.6% underwent axillary incision. All patients received preoperative intravenous antibiotics for irrigation during the surgery. 37.4% of patients received triple antibiotic solution. 35% received betadine. 25.3% received a combination of triple antibiotic solution, betadine, and 2.4% received vaxitracin. All patients received implant delivery with the implant funnel according to the manufacturer's intended use. Three types of implants were used in the procedure. 41.3% were Allergan implants, 47.6% were Mentor implants, 11, and 11.1% were Sientra implants. Among patients, 99.7% received silicone gel implants and 0.3% received saline implants. Implant sizes range from 135 to 800 cc's. The median size of the right breast implant was 385 cc's and the median size of the left breast implant was 375 cc's. All patients received smooth implants. Among patients, 99.2% of the patients were placed in the subpectoral or dual plane position, and 0.8% were placed in the subglandular position. Postoperative antibiotics were given for less than 24 hours in 36.3% of cases, for 24 hours to 5 days in 42.6% of cases, and for greater than 5 days in 21.1% of cases. Further studies are needed to determine the impact of antibiotic regimen and the implant selection and size on complications. Outcomes and risk factors. In this study, the primary outcome was the occurrence of any complication from, breast, from primary breast augmentation, such as hematoma or infection, within the first 30 days postoperatively. A total of 8.2.1% complications were reported. Three hematomas at 0.8% rate, one seroma, 0.26%, one superficial dehiscence at 0.26%, and one capsular contracture, 0.26%, 1.26% bottoming out, and 1.26% infection, which is all seen in Table 2. Surgical site infections were studied and detailed. We looked at on which day, 0 to 30, the infection occurred and in which breast left versus right data were collected for the following potential complications. Cellulitis, superficial abscess, or deep, deep abscess, and for the treatment, if any, performed such as observation, incision, and drainage, extended oral antibiotics, culture, reoperation with implant replacement, reoperation with the reuse of existing implant, or reoperation with explantation. The one reported infection was noted in the right breast on postoperative day 20. It presented as cellulitis and a superficial abscess. It was treated with incision and drainage and a culture grew streptococci. No implant loss was reported due to any complication. The risk factors evaluated in this cohort include age, BMI, smoking status, diabetes, ASA class type of facility, hospital, office-based surgical suite, ambulatory surgery center, antibiotic use, surgery duration, implant characteristics, and surgical technique. Upon univariate analysis, ASA class two was associated with increased incidence of complications, relative risk of 4.85, P is equal to 0.03, BMI greater than 30, and surgery duration greater than 90 minutes were associated with increased infection risk, P equal to 0.04 and 0.02 respectively. Large implant size was 
associated with higher incidence of any complication in hematomas. The mean implant size in patients developing any complications was 481.6 cc's compared with 391.1 cc's in those without complications. Similarly, patients who developed a hematoma had a larger implant, 515.8 cc's, and those without bleeding complications, 392 cc's. Discussion. The data showed positive results. There was a very low 30-day incidence of infection, 0.26%, one superficial infection, or other complications, and there was no implant loss. That's confirming that the implant funnel, when used properly, is a safe option for practicing plastic surgeons and did not increase the incidence of infections or complications in the first day, first 30 days postoperatively. MESA and MESA reported that the use of a funnel can potentially reduce contamination on the implant surface and the incidence of capsular contracture on breast implants of 200 cc's and larger C references 15, 16, and 19. The median implant size in this study was 375 cc's and our results confirmed their findings. Implications for aesthetic outcomes. Our data are encouraging and serve as a proof of concept for plastic surgeons interested in using a protective funnel for primary breast augmentation. We acknowledge that more comparative data and prospective clinical studies looking at the use of protective funnels and breast surgery are needed and would be strengthened by the inclusion of a control arm. DEVA suggests that more research should be conducted in collaboration with established implant manufacturers to study the effects protective funnels on the outer silicone shell of implants when they pass through breast implant funnels, reference 20. We sought to prove that the use of protective of a protective funnel is safe and effective and to provide plastic surgeons with evidence-based data to help inform their decisions surrounding adoption of funnels in their practice. The data from our multi-center cohort of patients show a lower complication infection rate than the reported average considered within the normal range for breast augmentation. These data validate our hypothesis that use of the implant funnel does not increase in the potential for complications, wounds, or infections in primary breast augmentation. One superficial infection was reported among the 380 primary breast augmentation cases, a 0.26% infection rate with the implant funnel. We believe that the minimal touch method of implant delivery with the protective funnel may have contributed to lower infection and complications rates in primary breast augmentation and plan to undertake a prospective study with a larger patient cohort to validate these preliminary findings. In addition, the fu- in addition to future research as mentioned in the implications for aesthetic outcomes section, the authors will also explore use of the Aesthetic Society's uh, Aesthetic Neural Network, which may re- prospectively incorporate data on protective funnels to help expand our community's awareness of their utility in our specialty. This article reports on retrospective data and will be followed up by companion articles. The no-touch technique was introduced by Mladic in 1993. However, no FDA-approved products to achieve no-touch or minimally, minimal touch were available at that time, and surgeons began to experiment with drapes and makeshift sleeves. See reference 21. More recently, surgeons have conceived of innovative alternatives to promote a no-touch experience. See reference 22. Three-year follow-up data from three leading implant manufacturers reporting average infection rates in primary breast augmentation. Allergan implant rates have an average infection rate of 1.5%, see reference 23. Mentor implants have an average infection rate of 1.5%, see reference 24. And Sientra implants have an average complication rate of 0.7%, see reference 5. For decades, theories have been published 
about the use of perioperative antibiotics, but there are no established guidelines regarding the duration of antibiotic prophylaxis and breast augmentation, resulting in a discrepancy in prescription pattern and lack of consensus among surgeons. This has been reported in the literature, see reference 26. The introduction of a triple antibiotic, non, non-betadine, containing irrigant to provide broad-spectrum coverage of ba- bacteria-associated capsular contracture was noteworthy, a noteworthy addition to the literature in 2006 by Adams et al., reference 27. With results later confirmed by Culbertson et al., reference 28. In 2017, Adams et al. published their 14-point plan or no-touch technique designed to reduce the contamination of implants and potential sequelae of capsular contracture and breast implant-associated anaplastic large cell lymphoma, especially when surgeons delivered macro-textured implants during breast augmentation. Similarly, the use of funnels in breast Procedures that reduce the potential for contamination, timing the OR, and in some cases, such as through the use of implant funnel, double loading techniques introduced in 2021 by Rosenberg and Rios, reference 30, offer surgeons additional safety advantages in the OR, such as reduction of friction during insertion and the prevention of rotation and possible implant loss. All of these developments and innovations should contribute to the improved surgical outcomes and a reduction in complications such as infection and capsular contraction. Contraction. Limitations. There are limitations to this study, including its retrospective nature, lack of comparison with outcomes in cases where another funnel product was used, and lack of a control group. The specific endpoint for this research was only to evaluate the 30-day postoperative results and the resulting complications. We acknowledge that capsular contracture is rare in the first 30 days postoperatively. We perform stratified subgroup analysis to address potential confounding factors, but because of the rarity of outcome, one infection, the study was not sufficiently empowered to discern statistical significance. Inclusion of various centers and surgeons with different surgical techniques may have contributed to varying early postoperative outcomes. However, a multi-center study also has advantages over single-center studies as representative sample of patients for more generalized findings. Future studies may be strengthened by including a historical comparison group and matching patients by demographic and important characteristics. Future prospective study with longer-term follow-up are now in the planning stages. These will add to the plastic surgery literature and validate the advantages of protective funnels towards minimizing the amount of contact with the implant. Plastic surgeons should be knowledgeable about all protective funnel device options and be able to improvise should one manufacturer's product become unavailable as occurred recently with a Keller funnel from Allergan or if unexpected circumstances such as a global pandemic create supply chain shortages and manufacturers imposed order limitations. Conclusion. This study showed that the use of the implant funnel and primary breast augmentation is a safe and valid surgical option for the delivery of implants. Our hypothesis that the use of the implant funnel does not increase the potential for complications, wounds, or infections in primary breast augmentation is supported by the clinical data. We encourage our plastic surgery colleagues to consider adopting a protective funnel for breast implant delivery to aid in achieving safe clinical outcomes and the potential for reduced incidence of infections and complications. Supplemental material. This article contains supplemental material located online at the www.aestheticsurgeryjournal.com. Acknowledgements. The authors thank Phaedra Kress, executive publisher of journals of the Aesthetic Surgery Journal, who provided editorial support for manufacturer manuscript development and study coordination and who is paid consultant by Proximate Concepts, LLC, Allendale, New Jersey, 
Disclosures, Dr. Rios is the president of the Aesthetic Surgery Education and Research Foundation. Dr. Cheryl is the president of the Illinois Society of Plastic Surgery. That analysis was performed by Dr. Gupa, who is a paid, for, who is a paid consultant for Proximate Concepts. The authors received no financial support for the research authorship and publication of this article. All authors attest that the manufacturer of the implant funnel had no influence over the study and made no effort to influence the writing, data analysis, or research in any way. Funding, the authors did not receive payment or free funnels from Proximate Concepts LLC for the writing of this article or the provision of their data for the research. Proximate Concepts LLC supported this study by offering uh, authors a discount on future funnel purposes purchases and a prospective educational grant for lectures at meetings of board-certified plastic surgeons. Proximate Concepts LLC did not have access to the raw final or any iteration of data and did not contribute to the study design, writing, editing, or handling of the manufacturer manuscript in any way. References are provided at the end with um, 30 references. This concludes uh, the podcast. Thank you very much.